So, so this episode is going to be a little bit of uh, a little bit of a long one. Um, probably going to end up being a two-parter, um, uh, as we have a brand new book out um, called Shadow Sun. I picked up the limited edition copy. Uh, I uh, and and I have spent the last um, couple weeks uh, reading it and going over it and, and cross-checking it and stuff like that and. Uh, there have been a, uh, you know, a few reviews of it on Reddit, which I recommend anybody take a look at. But it really, this book really um, got me thinking. Um, we, we, it's no, it's no secret that there's uh, a dividing opinion between Tao fans regarding Phil Kelly's work. Um, Phil Kelly is the most prolific Tao author that's out there. Um, he wrote the Far Side books. Uh, he wrote the, the. the a lot of, I think a lot of uh, the novella f or the, the collected novellas for um, the Damocles um, anthology. Um, he has written several short stories, things like that. And, um, you know, they, they, they're, they're always interesting. They, they, they have a, uh, they, they, they bring something to the Tau faction, which, which is hard enough to get because, um, yeah, I mean, the Xenos factions of Warhammer 40,000 are kind of anemic, um, you know, here's looking at the Eldar. Um, meanwhile, on the other side, you have like the Necrons, which are I've mentioned before, are going into like their, like a like a this renaissance of of content. Um, so it's hard, you know, it's hard being a Tau fan, um, and and I think it's finally time for podcast um, to to have an episode fully dedicated um, to why there is this division. Um, and so this is going to be more of like a, uh, more of a philosophical episode, I guess, um, where we, where we really have to just, we have to, we have to come as a community, we really have to come together, um, and, and just kind of agree. <laughs> we have to ultimately agree to disagree. We have to have a difference, uh, a kind of this massive difference of opinion. Um, and, and I am going to try, <laughs> I'm going to try to, to be more balanced and calm uh, about this because um, as, as many people on the Discord have seen, uh, I had uh, a very strong reaction to the Shadow Sun book um, and, uh, and, and I'll get into it. So, so if you've read, you know, the codexes and the rule books, um, played the video game Fire Warrior, uh, read the novels by Sperrier and, um, and Fehavari, and you've come, you know, you've, you've kind of come a long way in your, your education about the Tao. Um, as a new enthusiast, a new fan, you've probably also uh, most likely read the, you know, Empire of Lives book, uh, the, the Farsight books and everything. Um, but I find, I find when, when talking to a lot of fans, you know, obviously they go to the the lore videos or they go to different communities and ask about Tau. And I think what everybody kind of notices almost immediately 
is that there's a lot of animosity uh, from the rest of the Warhammer 40,000 community uh, kind of aimed at Tau. Um, never mind the like <laughs> the broader problems that our 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 hobby uh, community has in general with uh, you know let's call it more totalitarian um, perspectives on on what it means to be a fan, what it doesn't mean to be a fan, what is canon, what's not canon, you know it, these kinds of things. This is just this is just what our the the fan base is like. We. Uh, and it and it's always been that way. If it's you know if anybody is feeling as though uh, the the hobby is changing, it's not. It's it has always been. There's so much lore for Warhammer Forty Thousand that there and there has just always been a contentious and argumentative aspect of trying to be in the lore. When I was thirteen years old, I wanted to be a Dark Angels player, and I was a I was a kid in a hobby that was very much about you know people in their late twenties, thirties. And I, I was the odd kid out. And um, and I remember uh, having to weather a lot of, you know, outright ridicule. And um, and it was difficult. It was difficult. Um, but that was, I mean, you know, if anybody's seen an episode of The Simpsons, you know, this was just comic book guy. You know, you just have uh, neck beards and gatekeepers and stuff like that. And I actually think it, <laughs> I'd like to think it made me a better person because I was able to, uh, you know, if I wanted to be a part of this hobby, um, I, I would really have to learn my stuff. You know, I would really have to, I would really, really have to dedicate myself completely uh, if I wanted to be taken seriously. Um, and so I, and so that's kind of where I started my, 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 uh, my, my kind of hobby. Uh, and, and that's probably why I started this podcast because I, <laughs> Because I go hard, you know. Um, so when you're on Reddit and when you're in these different communities, yeah, it gets combative. And one of the things that comes up constantly, 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 is this idea that, you know, Games Workshop released this statement saying that uh, that Warhammer 40K is a satire and that there are no good guys. So... So I think that that's super boring. Um, you know, every single novel that's ever been made by Games Workshop is ultimately uh, has a protagonist. You know, there's 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 ultimately a guy or or a, or a woman or you know whatever alien that is trying to do the right thing. You know, the Eldar are pompous knife ears that are manipulating the galaxy and factions to do what they want, but they're doing it because they they ultimately want to survive. Right, um, it's only been very recently that the Yanari have embraced the fact that they're not going to survive, and they've become a giant death cult. And they're like, no, let's let's double down on the end and let's kill our you know, basically let's commit mass suicide so we can create the god of death who will then kill the god that killed us, and then maybe you know maybe maybe we'll get a chance at a restart once we all reincarnate. So, and excuse me, I'm a, I'm a this this will be a long winded episode, and I I will say that I'm um I'm traveling, and so I'm 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 in my room by myself, uh, uh and so uh, forgive me if I, I yawn a little. I'm I'm just uh, th this is just gonna be a big episode, um, so okay. So you've got the Eldar thinking that the Imperium of Mankind, you know, is the most oppressive regime imaginable. 
and it is you know it is a, it is just a it is just a terrible place to live where you know you eat your family member or you, you know you eat other members of your community to survive in the form of corpse starch um you know agri worlds are are anyway it, it's a, the grim darkness of the far future right okay but when i got into tau specifically they were uh noble more noble bright than not and if you read the first codex and i recommend all tau players do because it is still applicable today the tau are just you know when they say the word naive um, that doesn't mean that they're stupid which a lot of people have a tendency of applying to us um and i'll, I'll say us a lot um, because i'm going to make the assumption that my listeners right now are mostly tau fans um the tower naive in that they're trying to negotiate with a with a with a room full of psychopaths and you know a lot of people will say they're naive but then in the same breath they'll say that they're evil because they're trying to manipulate the psychopaths to uh work underneath them um in the beginning the tower were inspired uh, and i've said this before and i'll, I'll say it again and and you know, uh, I think for this episode, it's probably good for me to flex a little bit that I have, you know, I have in the past and and in my present been in direct communication with various authors that are uh, have written for Black Library. Now, that this doesn't give me any kind of uh, edge on anybody else. Um, we, you know, we live in this modern uh, internet age where everything is about kind of like being able to prove your clout and 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 whatnot. Um, you, you know, you're going to have to just accept that for the sake of my relationships um and and my own you know my own career goals and everything that you know i am sorry i can't i can't prove it um but but for but for the sake of this episode you're, you're gonna have to you know you're gonna have to take it on faith um or you can criticize me later it, it, it's obviously your prerogative but in these direct communications with with various authors i've i i have learned from my own ed, for my own education that the Tao were very, you know, originally, originally were supposed to be uh, effectively lizardmen in space, um, and they were supposed to be more, um, you know, kind of just, just that. Maybe an offshoot of the old ones. Maybe, uh, maybe a, a little bit more esoteric. You know, uh, more leaning more onto the elemental uh, abilities. You know, maybe one would shoot magic, and maybe one would. <laughs> shoot uh, water and, and fire and, and whatnot but that um, you know but then they started talking about bringing back the the squats and if you I couldn't believe this but yeah back in like 2000 1999 things like that they they talked about resuscitating the squats now neither of those things happened and instead the Tao were created and the Tao uh, derived a ton of inspiration um, from from let's call it more temperate uh, and traditional science fiction universes that were out there. Uh, Deep Space Nine, Babylon 5, uh, uh, Star Wars, uh, and, and Episode 1. And, and in doing this, Andy Chambers um, specifically you know, came up with this, um, this, this, this new, unique opportunity to be able to have um, uh, a, a force, a faction that was beyond all of the pre-existing relationships um, that all the other factions have. Um, now, what does that mean? Okay, well, chaos 
uh, is a derivative of uh, of of the Imperium of Mankind, right? Hor Horus rebelled against the authority of the Emperor, his father, and so create effectively created a new uh, uh, created a new force. Um, you know, uh, and excuse me. And, and by the way, when I when I mentioned, I should mention all of the creators. You know, Graham McNeil, Gavin Thorpe. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, the, all all of them contribute. You know, it, it was very much a, a team effort uh, back in the day. Uh, writing, you know, writing these rule books, writing these articles, and writing the lore. The lore came out of uh, pretty pretty shallow pools. It's, it wasn't uh, overly developed, and I think that's one of the reasons why it is so simple to say very confidently that the Tau are, if not the good guys of 40k, they are just good people. You know. Um, and that is where the division happens because a lot of people, and by the way, every author and every creator that gets to put the Warhammer 40K stamp on their video game or their movie or their, or their book, all of them are going to bring with it their version of this very rich, complex, and awesome universe. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's ever going to be uh, th there's going to be a continuity problem, right? And the reason why the universe works so well is that it embraces this discord, pun intended. Um, it, it embraces this 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 discontinuity as a part of the fabric of its universe. Um, that's one of the reasons why a lot of people don't like the 30K universe, because the 30K universe actually holds a magnifying glass up and proves and disproves certain theories, you know? Um, and that's, that's to the discomfort of a lot of, um, a lot of fans who think that it should have remained vague. You know, is the emperor the amalgamation of a group of, uh, shaman that created a super being? Uh, is he the last relic of the golden age of technology or, or I guess the dark age, you know, the, the men of gold, so on and so forth, you know, or is he just a perpetual that is, you know, that watched Jesus get nailed to a cross, you know, like, and and for all intents and purposes, that's what he is now. He, he is that because we have a lot of first person perspectives. And while you can fall back on this idea that there's still the unreliable narrator, if, if I read a book like uh, Master of Mankind, uh, yeah, Master of Mankind, I think that's it, um, where you have a flashback to watching um, you know, the emperor kill his uncle because his uncle killed his father, like, and, and we are in this proto-civilized Middle Eastern region, you know, of old earth. Well, then he can't be all the other things. You can argue it, but a first-person perspective like that is going to remove the vagaries that allowed for multiple theories to exist. So... That 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 is that is more as we get more modern with Warhammer, forty uh, thousand. That vagary is going away, um, and every faction is kind of carries the 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 burden of that problem. And and when I say that the Tau are good people, um, that really that's a that's a slap in the face to a lot of the other factions. You know, um, I don't really know why, but <laughs> but here we are. So, so that, that that's the primer, right? I'm coming. I'm coming at this um, as a long in the tooth veteran of 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 lore enthusiasm, uh, 
perhaps a little bit entitled because of my uh, because I've been lucky enough to have conversations with the creators of my hobby and I can tell you that they really loved this idea that there was a, a group of people a, a, a species on the edges of the Imperium that instead of seeing a grim dark universe they they are a beacon of hope that they they want to bring people in and provide them with things like potable water and food and safety and security. And you can see all of this in the quotes and the timelines of that first codex. Um, and obviously, the, and because the, the original the creators of this, of this faction realized not everybody was gonna like that, they then created Commander Farsight, who in the first codex is very clearly, he's a renegade but he's a renegade that there is no, he's not a classic rebel. He's not leading terrorist attacks on, on the Tau. Uh, and back then it wasn't even called an empire. Um, you know, uh, he's, he is, he's somebody that, that, that went to the, you know, and by the way, Games Workshop writers love this. He went to the edge of the abyss, looked down, and the abyss looked back, and it changed him. You know, and that's who Farsight is. He, he was the grim, dark like actually, and you can see it in his first quote, um, the hands of the great starfarers are turned against each other. You know, we, we, basically we have to, we have to stop thinking that everybody is going to live by these kumbaya rules and we've got to, you know, start literally sharpening a sword and get ready to stab somebody. Um, and the reason why it's so hard to change that fact, why, you know, for the next 20 years, you'll be listening to me on this podcast um, saying the same thing over and over is that that is the core fundamental, you know, that, that aspect of the, of this faction is so much a part of everything that every decision that has ever been made in regards to the Tau is based on that keystone in the same way that space Marines, you know, I'm going to say a couple things that, you know, I, 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 that this is not the purpose of this episode, but like all space Marines are male. Okay. They're biological males. And there is, um, there is nothing. There's nothing we can really do about that, right? Um, a technology or a decision from Games Workshop might come down the line later, and I hope they do. I really thought the Primaris was a perfect example of like an opportunity for this, but like to you know to 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 have you know, you can only draw from fifty percent of the human race to create your super soldiers. Well, that that seems like a bad technology. You should figure out how to draw from 100% of the human race. So, um, but that is a core fundamental right now of space marines. Um, Tyranids are an all-devouring uh, locust creature. You know, that's what they are. Necrons are ancient near eldritch horrors that are waking up and they used to have dominion of the galaxy. It, it's very easy to find the core of every faction because that's the, that's the point. That, that, it's a testament to the, the authors um, if you can boil down a faction or a character to just, to just one or two sentences, you've got, you've got narrative gold, you know, and you can do it to, for, for every franchise that's out there for every like really awesome character that you love, you can boil down their modus operandi, their, their objective very quickly and succinctly. Um, and the Tau simply, I mean, if you Google search Tau Va, um, it is an all-encompassing philosophy that 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 hopes for people to to have a better place in this galaxy 
and and you can't change that unless you're Phil Kelly. So let's let's think about this. All right, Phil Kelly, uh, which we know at the time of the re- release of the Tao back in like 2001. Um, uh, was like a staff writer or a member of the team, but like it seemed for, based on you know going back through all of the different white dwarfs and stuff, he's kind of like a junior member. You know, he's not a, a heavyweight like uh, like like Graham McNeil, you know, and he is one of the first people that is put up against the Tau in fighting them in, in one of their first battle reports. And I don't know about <laughs> I, I you know maybe that's it's. Maybe it's trying to, to 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 find method in the madness, but it seems like Phil Kelly, who is a really incredible fantasy writer, he he writes really really good fantasy. Um, just it it really just seems like he did not like the Tao from the get go. Maybe he's the first person that took a look at these goody two shoes and got angry that they were being called good guys in a grim dark universe. Now keep in mind the poster boys for our hobby are space marines. Uh, basically overly traumatized children that are indoctrinated into a warrior coven uh, where they're subjected to torture, um, both psychological and physical, and then put uh, put to task in near Olympian contests of strength uh, against each other, where they, where they, they, the the objective is for them to be basically the last one standing, no matter what. Um, they then turn into basically robot people, who uh, on a daily basis massacre hundreds, if not thousands, of other beings. You know, human beings or aliens or otherwise, coupled with a psychopath's take on 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 the on on what humanity is in the universe. Okay, so you know. Not really good guys either, right? Um, they're supposed to also be super loyal, and about half of them uh, uh, went rogue. So they're not even particularly good creations. I find the custodies' opinion of space marines generally uh, something I align with a lot, in that the custodies are looking at them as like this, you know a bunch of like rabid dogs being barely held on to, you know, and I you know hope to you know hope hope to dad that they don't turn on him again. You know, so I think that Kelly looked, you know, liked that part of the 40K universe, um, liked the fact that everybody's a prick, basically. And so for somebody to have the audacity to come along and say, I'm a good person, um, I feel like it rubbed him the wrong way. And so the first known time that I that I have been able to find where he wrote about the Tao is in the form of uh, Por La Viola Kais. This was a character that was created for the Inquisition uh, game, uh, which was an RPG game that utilized um, you know these really large uh, I forgot the millimeter, but but basically imagine you know a guardsman, but hits the size of a dreadnought. You know they're they're almost action figures, and it was a it, you know it was released in the early two thousands. It was it was a really interesting game. Um, you know uh, I think that ultimately Death Watch did a better job of creating an RPG. It was uh, this was like kind of like the last of the old Scott old school style games where like you know every action that you did required some kind of uh, ro- dice roll. So it was it was a hard game. I, I I myself have never played it, um, but I uh, you know but I, but I loved I loved the books and it 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 expanded upon the Inquisition a whole bunch. 
eventually though they realized that they had kind of forgotten a lot of um they had they had forgotten a lot of the different races and so they started creating you know they, they created basically like a like like a bits box uh that you could you could make uh fire warrior characters out of and and it was and this and so and so phil kelly wrote um phil kelly wrote this character um and you can tell that he's already a little bit like kind of um how do i say this he was already trying to find the grim dark you know um and it was something I'll, I'll give you an example here um you know his name was poor love your la kais uh kais um and he uh he's a water cast member which is already interesting because um we don't really get that many water cast characters the model was kind of weird in that like it was very top heavy so i don't think a lot of people uh bought it um but it it was he he created this really intriguing one page that described um uh, that first of all, um, you know, and he would go back and, and retcon his own stuff. And I, I'd like this will dovetail with um, with his Farsight novels. But um, uh, Porla, uh, I'll call him. Uh, <laughs> everyone is also named Kais, by the way. So I'm going to call this guy uh, just Porla for short. So Porla um, was part of a family uh, that was from the Sept world of Viorla, and he is a descendant of the famous Poro uh, Viorla Kovash Mienchi. And Mienchi, uh, in Kelly's words, was responsible primarily uh, was, was primarily responsible uh, for implementing the peace treaty between the Imperial forces and the Tau uh, during the, the first Dam uh, during the first Damocles Crusade. Um, so this is supposed to take place about 200 years later. So you know he's like a, a great great great-grandson and because he's got this chip on his shoulder um <laughs> i i'm i'm so i i'm there there are not enough words that i can speak fast enough to just <sighs> okay i have to just catch my breath okay so he's got this chip on his shoulder and he wants so badly to accomplish something of worth in his life because his uh, his ancestor had had done the impossible, which is create this peace treaty that ended a crusade. And I'm going to read this directly because I, I just it, it it just tickles me. All right, poor Law has inherited his bloodline's natural flair for relating to the other castes of the Tao society, so much so that his mentors suspect he prefers the company of the other caste to that of his peers. He has always aspired to the honorific. Vashya, literally meaning between spheres, a suffix bestowed on those who have forged strong bonds with the other castes uh, other than that of their birth. As a nascent envoy, Porla has strong connections to both the earth caste and the fire caste and has many friends within the ranks of the Tao army. Now, for me, this is a giant moment for me to peek into the psyche of Phil Kelly because that right there is brilliant. That is a masterful, in, 
intriguing and complex addition to early lore. It shows that there are Tau that have affinities for the other castes. And by the way, in his rules, he has gifts from the Earth cast and gifts from the Fire cast that make him a better character on the tabletop. And the fact that he refers to the honorific Vashya here really shows that Kelly was trying to break away from uh, from some of the what he believed were kind of perceived constraints of the faction. And I applaud him and think that this is awesome. Okay, so obviously this is not going to go uh, in a great direction, but let's finish up with Poor Law. So later on, later on in Poor Law, uh, Poor Law's um, career, he's going to come across a uh, a crute, um, uh, a crute from from uh, a a kindred called uh, the Savage Blade, and the, the, he negotiates their their peaceful reentry into uh, into Tau society. Um, again, a little bit uh, uh, Kelly playing on this aspect uh, that that you know not everything is right in in the Commonwealth that that, that you know there are there are crew that go out there and uh, and maybe aren't playing nice you know or or maybe are, are not doing what they said that they would promise uh, that they would do which is serve the Tau and 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 not go out and be mercenaries. Okay, all of this is really intriguing. And later, a group of gene stealers will infiltrate Tau society. Uh, specifically, a water cast family, and it will be these crew of the Savage Blade that that Porla uh, works with to uh, to stop the infestation from spreading. Um, but because there is is because of his actions, there is Tau blood um, on on his hands. Even though it's obviously being manipulated by gene stealers, he voluntarily goes into exile and leaves Tau space and goes out into the rest of the galaxy. Once again, going into some of that, the references that I make from time to time about the fact that there are Tau um, that are much further beyond the, the scope of the borders of the, of the of Sept space. Okay, all right, so I can, I mean, let's, and you know what, uh, for the sake of uh, those listening, um, I will put uh, a link to the rest of, uh, the rest of it now okay so let's let's fast forward to you know actually like about a decade okay so something happened we got another two release releases uh, we got the second codex and in the second codex there was clearly um uh early signs that that the games workshop is extremely susceptible to um to public opinion and a lot of imperial players um, clearly did not like uh, this this aspect that the that the Tau um, are somehow good guys. Okay, so this second codex that comes out is very much derivative of uh, Halo, uh, the Halo universe and the Halo franchise. I mean, just look at Anva; that's clearly a prophet. Um, you know, uh, uh, Farsight takes on an Arbiter type uh, role. Um, the the coalition of species gets a little bit darker. You know, we get the Vespid. Uh, uh, and, and, and things like that. Okay, and then we get a third codex, and in that third codex, it's just really kind of like a cementing of like, uh, the ethereals are, are, are uh, there's something going on with them. They're, 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 uh, they're more mustache twirly bad guys. And at this point in time, and I'm speaking from uh, speculation, Phil Kelly more or less becomes the head of uh, Warhammer 40,000 uh, story development and, and franchise development. 
Um, and uh, this is where we start getting rumors. Um, you know, if you're if if you've been around for a little while, like I have, this is when we started getting rumors that there was going to be, um, you know, a big shakeup in the form of like they were they were they blew they had just blown up the fantasy universe and now they were going to blow up the 40k universe. But because people publicized uh, setting their armies on literal fire. Um, it was called 50k on the internet um, Warhammer 50k never happens and instead of this big giant shakeup um, that, that we were really pushing toward as we got into 8th edition um, it gets it gets dialed way down and now we're in the current state that 9th edition is which is like nothing really changed we're still impossibly we're still in millennium 41 999999 and, um, and, and here we are you know, uh, of course they don't. They've done away with timelines now, and and it, it just it we're we're just in a in a in a state of stasis, which which is great for you know. There's obviously been a, a, an influx of new fans, um, which is which is always great. Um, but um, but if again, it, it feels it feels very much like uh, things uh, stayed the same, but also changed a lot for no reason. Um, but Phil Kelly is you know, is is kind of in the mix in terms of the theoretically is in the mix for this design team, and and I don't know why. But part of his tasks becomes writing about the Tau and being the only writer really uh, given the opportunity. You know, I mean, Favari, I can never pronounce his name correctly, Favari. Uh, does have the, the the you know does have a couple uh, novels that he writes all all set in his own mini pocket universe, which is this really miserable like de death world where um, the Tau and the Imperial Guard have been have been going at each other and and you know they're they, it, they're all kind of going insane and everything. It's a really awesome uh, series, but it doesn't but it, it's it's pretty light um, when it comes to uh, when it comes to actual Tau lore. Um, Phil Kelly, on the other hand, writes, and and this is something that I'm very. Hmm. I think this was a big mistake on on whoever's decision to do something like this. So, so we have a lot of tabletop characters. Abaddon, you know, um, Marnius Calgar. Uh, I mean, even Gaunt has gone through a couple iterations of models, and it's really dangerous to go into the minds of these tabletop characters and tell a story. It, and, and by dangerous, I mean, I have a version of what I think uh, all, uh, Cypher, um, you know, take your pick. Any special character, in my mind, when I'm playing on the tabletop and when I'm creating my fan fiction, um, I have a version of what I think that they're like. And, and that's very personal, and that's very, like, that, that it is derivative of a lot of, like, different things that happen in the lore, usually the rule books. And these characters are always very, um, you know, they're very abstract. They're, with the exception of the Space Marine characters, um, you usually don't know what's going on in their heads. And the stories that come out of the of Black Library are typically from characters that actually don't have models, uh, you know, uh, Uriel Ventress for, is, 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 is a really great, uh, you know, he had several books before, very recently they gave him, uh, uh, you know, a Primaris miniature and, 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 a, and a Firstborn miniature before that. Um, speaking within the minds of a tabletop character is, is risky. 
um, because it plays with that perception. But Phil Kelly goes and does it to first Commander Farsight, who is arguably one of the you know most. I would say that after, you know, after your favorite Space Marines, I think Farsight is regarded as one of the most well liked characters in the setting. And to get a book from his perspective specifically mean you know it it it's the same thing of like getting a perspective on the emperor right like the emperor witnessed one of the first murders you know his, his uncle killed his father um well okay well then now i know how the emperor grew up that that is that is a cornerstone of his decision making um if you if you put me in the in the in the driver's seat of farsight's mind you have got to really navigate a solid and cool story on top of leaving it open enough for other people to tell stories about him and here is where you know uh in my opinion kelly has catastrophically failed as a as as, as a as a writer uh within a franchise and he has failed the tau community because he took what was initially a very vague and kind of semi-frightening character you know like again i recommend anybody go back to the first codex or 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 or, or the reprints um, that are in other codexes um you know people are frightened of what it would be like for a fire warrior commander to be in charge it would mean that they would want be wanting to fight all of the time um he used exterminatus something that the tau i i don't actually know of any other time um, in the lore that Tau have straight up used full-on exterminatus weapons, and Farsight is one of them, uh, and he used it against the orcs. Um, his people, Commander Brightsword, uh, has uh, has committed genocide uh, on Nimbosa, um, and he's a, he's got a he's got a frightening perspective on the war uh, on, on the galaxy as a whole uh, that is just not in line with with the ethereal way of thinking which is give basically give peace a chance right um and so to evolve him or to change him into what is arguably the good guy where he is opposed to the ethereals it it was a bold decision and quite frankly it was one that was done without enough research and even if it wasn't done with enough research, I mean, look, when, when you write for a franchise, you have to read everything because you have to understand what the rules are of your other or your fellow, fellow authors. And this is a problem that I have in that it seems like he proactively has not even done research in his own work. Vashya is a sept. And Vashya was, in Kelly's own, own words, a honorific that was given to Tao that have strong ties and strong relationships and strong cultural uh, influences from the other castes. It is a good thing. And yet, for some reason, when he writes Farsight, he decides that Vashya is effectively punishable by you get sent to a concentration camp for re-education and maybe, and maybe you get murdered. Who knows? And it's such an about-face and it's such an insult to the people who adhere to very small kernels of uh, of lore to throw it all out with the bathwater. Um, 
it's it's an it's just it, quite frankly it's just look we it, this is a hobby it's a game it's a pastime um but it's it's one of my passions and i i feel that way a lot i think about a lot of the hobbyists in in our community um and uh and and when you and and when you make it a decision where you're going to where you're going to change something fundamentally, you have to take into consideration what is what's going to happen. And so I do get upset. Um, you can probably you know you can hear it in in my voice and the things I write that this decision to not respect other writers' works um, is is you, you know you you get put into the uh, Matt Ward box, you know, where you're just making stuff up and you want me to go along with it. And then it gets worse. Um, you know, in the first codex, it was referenced, and look, I get that the first codex was 20 plus years ago, um, but it, again, everything in Warhammer 40,000 is inferential to the, or excuse me, is referential to the, um, to the decisions that are made in the present. You know, all the things that we have uh, in 8th edition, the lead-up to the destruction of Cadia, all of that happened in the Eye of Terror Worldwide campaign um, up to a point, you know? Uh, and and everything that's ever been written that Games Workshop has commissioned has eventually come out again. You know, we used to have that, uh, that, that half-Eldar, half-human space marine librarian. Um, that character has come back in the form of a just a just just a regular Eldar, but they recycled that person's name. It's every every nothing is canon, and yet everything is canon. And it is the it is the thing that uh, this universe is just unique in terms of other franchises. So for it to be uh, proactively retconned and and so sloppily that all it takes is a Google search to find the the opposing reality that used to exist. Um, it creates contention, and 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 no more so than in the Farsight books, where everything, like Tau faster than light travel, most people have retconned that retcon um, because it doesn't make any sense from just even the most practical pr point of view um, that the Tau would be able to have an interstellar empire of any size uh, without FTL, you know? Um, and yet, and, and yet that's something that he was, not only did he double down on it, um, he then forgets about it, uh, uh, between Crisis of Fate and Empire of Lies, um, where, where, where it just, it, it basically just fades away and actually the Tau just have hyperspace, um, which, which they enter into. Um, on top of which the timeline is all over the place, um, you know, originally, uh, in, in multiple other authors' uh, works, Farsight disappears after Arthas, Arthas Malak. Um, when he loses his ethereals, he is gone. And yet, for some reason, uh, <laughs> for some reason, Kelly decides to bring him back several times. And the reason why that doesn't work is that from the perspectives of the Commonwealth, who is this guy then? Like, why, why is this person coming back? If he had disappeared uh, altogether, it's something that, and this is said in the codexes, that the, that, that the Tao have just kind of come to forget Farsight um, because he's, he's just somebody that got basically lost along the way, you know? But in Kelly's work, he comes back to the Commonwealth, uh, and obviously he refers to it as the Empire, um, multiple times. 
sometimes um, on the heels of an orc attack, which results in the death of billions. And, 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 and that's, I mean, Games Workshop is not known to handle numbers very well. I mean, I believe that the last time I checked the Imperium of Mankind is eight quadrillion people or something like that. I mean, that number doesn't even, the, who, like, who can comprehend a number that huge? But the Tau were always regarded as having relatively small populations when compared to the rest of the Imperium in that, uh, you know, in the book Kill Team, uh, while uh, while these uh, Tau um, leaders are talking to this Inquisitor, they're asking like you know how many people live in a hive, and he said oh you know like somewhere like five to eight billion or something like that, and the Tau just straight up don't believe him and think how how could you fit that many people into one building? Um, that's more people that live in, in in entire sets. So it's all of these little nuances and details that made the Tau such an alien species just get railroaded and get flattened and turned into uh, uh, you know excuse me but a poop pancake that is then dunked in syrup and we're told is is dessert and <laughs> and it gets me it gets me really riled up you know and and not really because it's if it was just one book or one story it would be fine but instead it's an entire series an entire series that enough people have now read that they have abandoned the previous lore of which was it was excellent work um and and we we now exist in this weird guys universe and no one else writes in this universe by the way it's not a it's not a shared thing you know um broken sword the short story does not fit in the version of uh, of Kelly's universe for the sheer fact that we have Guevesa Ovadem, um, who is a former inquisitor that has turned coat, potentially because he's got a parasitic Nagi on his neck, uh, but also it could be legitimately he feels that the best way for human beings is to adopt a greater good. Um, whatever that may be, that is not that doesn't work with Kelly's universe because the only people, and this is going to segue into Shadow Sun. The only people, the only the only beings in Tau society that can pilot XV-8 crisis suits are those pilots that have been assigned XV-8 crisis suits, um, which means that no other species can pilot them, even though we have examples that they do, and no other pilots can, like XV-22 pilots, XV. 15 pilots, XV-88 pilots, even though in Kelly's own work, Commander Farsight started off as a broadside battlesuit uh, pilot. So let's get into Shadow Sun. If the two first Farsight novels were just kind of like unwriting a lot of these core fundamentals. Never mind. Let's let's not even talk about the ethereals because we probably I probably talk about them too much anyway. If the first two Farsight novels had the intention of just creating somebody's new science fiction universe, then Shadow Sun is the unraveling of like the entire franchise. <laughs> um, and what do I mean by that? Okay, so Shadow Sun takes place in what what I'm going to call modern 40K. It, it is it is the present. Um, 
or maybe a couple months before the present. And that's all I can really say about that because there is no, there is no, hmm, how do I put this? There is no stage that is set up to describe what's going on. As of the last codex, we know that the fourth sphere happened. You know, they go into the, they, they went into the wormhole, they experienced, you know, the unfiltered warp, and then they came out the other end and they started killing their auxiliaries, they started killing their allies, um, and uh, and then what happened? Uh, and then uh, and then the fifth sphere eventually made contact with them and Shadow Sun was put in charge and she went out there, she discovered them, she realized that they had committed atrocities, she put them on trial along with, uh, you know, the, the, entire, the entire leadership of the fourth sphere is put on trial, and they are they are uh, they experience the makla, uh, and and then are ordered to basically not serve alongside aliens as Shadow Sun takes direct control and continues expanding the fifth sphere, which you know if you look at a map is you know between thirty and forty five percent of the same size as the the rest of Tau territory. So it's gigantic. The fifth sphere is, is huge. It's it's potentially bigger than the third sphere. Um, so that's what we know. That's that's the and 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 what and and the and the most recent campaign has been the Chelneth uh, expanse, which which was that kill team book with all the pathfinders in it versus the sisters of battle, and we know that they were successful in taking another hive world, but they are now in a prolonged, let's call it a war of faith, um, with uh, with gene stealer cults and and the sisters of battle. Which I think is 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 an untapped goldmine for narrative because, um, whereas uh, space ta the Tau are not particularly bothered by space marines, like in terms of, uh, if you look at other uh, other factions that go to war with the Imperium, the space marines are you know they're the crack troops, they're the spear, you know they're the, the tip of the spear. Um, the Tau don't really aren't don't ever really seem to be that worried about space marines. I think that they think that they can handle them but they cannot handle Sisters of Battle at all, um, especially when Sisters of Battle can have the effect of turning uh, previous Guevessa uh, back into Imperial Zealots. So that, that, that's what's happening now. The book Shadow Sun takes place, I think, very shortly after Shadow Sun joins the Fourth Sphere. And I've mentioned this in other places, but I believe that Kelly no longer knows that the the first Damocles Gulf Crusade took place, uh, you know, between 275 and 300 years ago. I, I legitimately do not think that he knows that the two time periods between Empire of Lies and Shadow Sun is supposed to be centuries uh, apart because because characters in the book reference Farsight and because Shadow Sun herself treats, it treats the events of the Empire of Lies uh, like it was yesterday. And now somebody could argue, well, she was for cryogenically frozen and she woke up and, and so for her it is yesterday, but Shadow Sun was put to sleep or excuse me, put into suspended hibernation before any of those events 
um, would happen. She went. She she was put under right after the end, the conclusion of the first Damocles Gulf Crusade. So she wouldn't know about any of that stuff, and uh, and Kelly, I guess, tries to rectify it by saying that well, there is, there were video captures of what happened on Arthas Malak. And again, this unravels the mystery and the confusion that the Tau have for that time period. None of the Tau knew what happened on Arthas Malak, but apparently there was a bunch of video captures and Shadow Sun watches it in her off time. The book Shadow Sun effectively slaps on a giant band-aid uh, with a bunch of little bridges that connect uh, our modern Tau to the Tau of the past. And it does it in a way that is so sloppy um, that uh, it, it, it took me like a, a week to get over some of the chapters just because it just it, it was so difficult uh, when I know so much about the Tau. Now, maybe to a regular, let's call it a regular person, um, it's it's just a novel. You can just move through it, but it's like this is like it's like reading it's like reading something where someone is trying to gaslight me, or maybe that's too harsh of a term. Uh, it, someone is trying to ignore uh, what it, what is basic history. You know, um, it's you know it, to try to put it into into terms for another faction. Uh, it would be like if you said uh, that the Primarch Lionel Johnson was alive and uh and he he's just choosing you know he's just choosing not to talk to people but he's walking around the the rock and people see him and they high five him but he doesn't speak it's just like that doesn't make any sense that doesn't there's so much wrong with that scenario that i don't i don't know how i can keep reading you know um or if Gilliman, I mean, just to just to spread the love, if Gilliman was uh, was actually he was really into chaos, and he or no, not chaos, he was really into Eldar gods. Now he just thought that the Eldar gods are super cool and wants to model society after the Eldar High Empire. That's how crazy that would be. Um. So, so further, um. Further into the book, you know, there are just events that are that that mirror a lot of things that happen in the Farsight uh, novels. Uh, Shadow Sun orders uh, two Fireblades and a Kroot to get into Crisis suits and jump out of it. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry, I should say spoiler, 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 spoiler. Um, uh, Shadow Sun uh, orders a couple people to get into Crisis suits. Uh, because this orca is falling out of the sky, and they actually say like no to her that 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 if they do that, um, they will be committing vashia. And I mean, you know, I, maybe if it had been handled differently, I, a conversation, a prolonged conversation with people uh, trying to get them to put on some parachutes in a in a plane that's going down, and they say no because they they don't know how to wear parachutes is is kind of weird because it's like yeah but you're you're gonna die like you're gonna die horribly in in a few seconds why don't you just try to put on this parachute you know um except in this instance instead of it being uh i don't know how something works it's um my my religion forbids me to use parachutes you know it's just ridiculous it's just it's just ridiculous but on top of it all, I mean, never mind just the clunky, the clunky nature and the clunky writing of, of all of it. And, and, and believe me, I've read plenty of Phil Kelly stories that I find absolutely awesome. I don't know what it is about the Tao stuff that he is just 
abysmal at um never mind the i mean it's almost like he he heard a note that people were upset for portraying you know ethereals too much as evil bad guys but it's like he still had like a quota to fill the death guard characters in this book are are so like are so evil that it actually it actually feels like you're reading two different like authors because they're so 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 mustache twirly saturday morning cartoon bad that it's it's actually hard to take them seriously um as the novel continues though and this is really where you know it gets to the coup de gras of my conversation is that the subject of faith gets brought up and this is where i've realized all of kelly's new version of the tao has been leading to and that is you know i mean okay there there are there are some hard truths about the warhammer 40k universe uh first and foremost um every every living being actually everything in reality has some kind of hmm, has some kind of relationship with the warp um a rock a tree you me dogs everything has some kind of i mean it's actually very much like star wars like the the idea that the force there's an all-encompassing energy field that incorporates everything. I mean, that, that is effectively the relationship between real space and the, and the warp. Um, but in recent years, there's been this, this idea that, well, there's the warp, right? Okay, so evil, creepy, twisty god stuff. And then there's, uh, you know, and then there's the things that live there that are not demons, you know, like enslavers, right? Also creepy, weird, eldritch parasite worm creatures um but now with the emperor there is faith and faith uh well i mean people are still debating at this day you know right now but faith is like uh you know if 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 warp energy is all negative uh negative magnetism then faith is positive magnetism except it's it's infinitely stronger uh than than negative magnetism and and the only people that have really been able to access it are like certain space marine characters like in the form of you know the sanguinar uh you know it it, it it's it's basically like an emperor demon um uh, and the sisters of battle who manifest this magic uh i mean now that their new rule book is well relatively new rule book is out they they manifest it like to do all sorts of things they can heal themselves they can heal other people and you know and, and they do it all through belief of the emperor um so and, and i i see that there's a comment uh from rules saying that sanguinar got explained differently sure i mean uh, there have always been uh emperor style demon things in warhammer 40k and, and and you know that's that's uh the legion of the, or what do they call it? the legion of the damned uh the you know that i could also be naming them wrong the space marines that you know are are burning and they and they show up in the nick of time and things like that like there's 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 all sorts there's there's always been the emperor's version of uh of of, of demon like quote unquote demonic en entities and it was always just related to more warp magic stuff except now 
the stuff that's directed toward the toward the emperor is golden light and good. Okay, so there's a lot of ways of, of breaking that down, but but it's become really front-facing ever since Games Workshop decided that they wanted to have more god-tier characters. And we're, we're going to be getting, a, a you know, kind of like a, a weird minor chaos god of technology. Um, we're going to be getting, um, you know, we, we've, we've got the... Uh, We've got the the, uh, the what is it the the the, the manifestation the, the god that you've reigned uh, is trying to bring back into uh, into existence. Um, you know we've got uh, we've got uh, the avatar. We've got uh, you need that's that's uh, what it was named. Um, you know like we, we gods are just showing up more frequently, and Kelly seems to have really embraced this idea of 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 a of a god of course a goddess of the greater good and in this book he treats prayer to this god like it is a like almost like it is something that uh can be relied upon so the warp to demonic entities and 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 creatures and stuff like that the warp is a fickle thing right like time doesn't have any meaning you could you could show up before you arrived you could get lost forever um, no one has real control over it. It's, it's like the ocean, you know, in a lot of ways. Faith is a little bit different because it's the manifestation of, of your specific relationship with the emperor of mankind, who is this, you know, has become a powerhouse inside of the warp. I'm willing to, you know, okay, great, that's fine. Um, the Tao have never believed in any of that stuff. So they are, you know, let's call them not maybe, yeah, I mean, they're basically atheists, um, where they even refer to demons as just trans-dimensional aliens, which, funny enough, is, is what the Emperor called them as well. Um, amidst this, now, when Shadow Sun is confronted with the fact that that these auxiliary races um, believe that the Tau Va is actually something that should be worshipped, she then, within a couple pages formulates an idea where if everybody you know major spoilers if everybody just prays at the same time uh they will defeat uh the death guard and i don't know why maybe it's because death guard fans are just made of sterner stuff and that'd be kind of funny if they were um because the reason why it's so difficult for me to to wrap my head around this is because um these plague marines which you don't know why they're there and you don't know actually you don't know why anything is happening it, it just it it's happening for very surface reasons the reason why the 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 i don't know why this particular uh massive fleet of plague marines is showing up in the tau region it, it seems like just to make them dirty you know it, to, to infect them with sickness um even though at the same time the plague wars are going on in mccrag i None of that is really explained. It's very, very vague. And by vague, I mean it doesn't even feel like it's been considered. But the reason why they are there is to, you know, it's just to basically make people sick. And, um, but at the same time, they are they they are the scions of, of Nurgle. Like, they have demons everywhere. They have an army of zombies. You know, they have a giant fleet with an impenetrable... Uh, flagship you know they, they're, they're not it's not just a it's not just like a pirate group like you see with the, the lords of silence um, this is like a really big deal and they their their own belief or their own patronage to Nurgle is 
just curb stomped by random prayer to the goddess of the greater good. And those descriptions of that faith are the same thing that can be applied to imperial faith. Giant golden bubbles of light that drive everybody away and and uh, and and basically evaporate them, you know. And that, if that's the direction that things are going, then all the Imperium would have to do is order a single hive at the at the commenced hour uh, to all pray for something, and that I mean you wouldn't have you wouldn't have demonic incursions anymore. Um, because a couple thousand people pray at the same time in this book. Well, if you can get a couple billion to pray at the same time, like you could just erase the Cicatrix Maledictum altogether, couldn't you? Of course, the answer is yes. With these mechanics, you absolutely could. So, all right. So the Shadow Sun book kind of concludes in this really weird space in that this idea that Shadow Sun has basically embraced this notion of faith, that you have to use faith, even though she herself does not believe in the goddess of the greater good, which is weird because I also don't know why she doesn't when, and, and this is the, the biggest point of the whole book and why I, why, why I decided to have this episode dedicated to uh, this topic, is that the goddess of the greater good saved Shadow Sun when she was a student of Pure Tide uh, she, uh, the, the goddess saved her while she was drowning. And yes, while time might not have any meaning in the warp, you know, for example, you have Slanesh demons showing up before Slanesh is created, um, you know, uh, that, that, that was already taken. And it really does seem, you know, after all of this and after experiencing all of these different writings and stuff like that, it really just seems that every single aspect of 40k lore that Kelly found interesting from uh, the emperor's atheism to the contest between Zinch and Korn, who are both struggling for Farsight's soul, uh, to to the idea that 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 the Tau um, do not have a relationship with the Warp because they one are atheists themselves, but also because their souls are too dim to even be seen by demons. Like 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 all of these different aspects that made the Tau what they were were thrown out and replaced with these very hack concepts that that they're basically just humans. And while at first that might be kind of cool that they're going, you know, Farsight will end up becoming uh, Horus, you know, but, but the problem is, is that they killed, you know, our emperor. You know, our emperor uh, was on Ba. And if you want to think that our emperor, our emperor is an empress, Shadow Sun, well, that's confusing too because in Kelly's universe, the, they were both lovers. Up to a point, that gets dropped in Empire of Lies. And in Shadow Sun, at least when I've read it, uh, it, doesn't come, it doesn't come up at all. The idea that, that her, Kais, and <laughs> Farsight's other name is Kais, uh, uh, but, but we're, we're in some kind of love triangle and, uh, and, and regular Kais didn't, you know, like didn't feel special enough or something. It's a very confusing uh, subplot. Um, by the way, the ethereal in the book Shadow Sun is also named Kais. Um, so that, that means that there are uh, uh, five Kais, Kaises 
um, in in Kelly's work. And anybody that wants to say that, like, well, it's just a really uh, common name in 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 the in, in Tao culture, uh, sure. But like, there's John Grammaticus, and uh, I don't think that there's another John. Um, there's one Abaddon, right? Uh, uh, there, you see what I mean? There's one Valdor, like, <laughs> you know, uh, not five, but, but whatever. And so I bring myself to my own kind of conclusion and, and my, and my hope. And I, you know, I don't know if, if people have gotten off board by now. I mean, it, it, it is a little bit of a ranty kind of podcast, um, you know, I personally think that the revelation of, uh, of Phil Kelly changing his mind as to what things are, even in his own very derivative and, uh, and contradictory universe contradicts himself, uh, was pretty, uh, amazing. I couldn't, I, I, when, whenever I have been in a Reddit argument and I say that Vashya is a good thing, I, I did not know up until the research for this episode that I was actually quoting Phil Kelly um, the whole time, uh, so I'm, I'm quoting Phil Kelly against Kil Phil Kelly. Um, I th you know, I think that that that's pretty, um, pretty funny. But, but what does it mean for us? So, so it's hard being a Tao fan, right? It's it's um, it's complicated. And it's even harder because beyond the confines of our own groups, Facebook groups, Reddit groups, Discord groups, and stuff like that, it can be a pretty um, uh, it can be a pretty hostile place in general for Tao. Um, a lot of lore enthusiasts uh, have a tendency of thinking that we don't read our own lore, and that's because they've read the Kelly books. And a lot of us uh, reject the you know just kind of out of hand reject the Kelly books, and they 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 then use that as an opportunity to mock us, you know. Um, more and more, I see this this uh, this word come up where it's like, uh, you know, someone will write off my opinion, and I'll say, well, you know, why are you writing me off? And they said, well, I've just dealt with Tao fans before in the past, and I don't even know what that means. Like, I I I, I would genu genuinely like to know where where all of our crazy fans are because all of the Tao fans that I know, and I I've been around again quite a quite a while, and maybe I'm maybe I'm one of them, but but generally speaking, I can say that, you know, in order to be a Tao fan uh, or a Tao hobbyist, you need to have like a 3D level understanding of our lore because you have to sidestep so many things so often. You have to sidestep the idea that we don't have faster than light travel. You know, you just you just have to. Um, you have to sidestep the fact that uh, you have a, a ruling class that is both uh, mustache twirling, like kill yourself, uh, despotic rulers. But then on the other hand is also like super chill and only wants everybody to be, you know, to feel, uh, to feel safe about themselves, you know, um, by the way, that's my boy Anchi. Um, but like, you know, on the one hand, we're, we're called vegetarians. On the other hand, sometimes we eat milk. On the one hand, we have an insane, awesome military. On the other, we're so inflexible that we collapse in on ourselves like a failing star the moment that, like, we have to, we have to operate outside of what, what, what the caste demands, you know? Um, it, it is hard being a Tao fan. And it's even harder interacting with people who don't want to be Tao fans, but they've read or they've listened to the YouTube channel 
that talks about Farsight and they think they understand it. You know, most people still think uh, Farsight is a uh, is a is a good guy, even though the fact that even in the codex uh, that Farsight got, um, it describes uh, their society as a military junta in which everybody has to listen to what the Firecast says. I mean, that it's almost the you know, <laughs> it's. It's there's there's double speak all over the place. Never mind being constantly called a communist, uh, or uh, a weebo or a weeb or whatever. You know, like never never mind all of that other stuff. Um, it's funny the Tao are have been around for twenty plus years, but we still are kind of treated as though we only showed up like six months ago. It's it's a it's 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 a complicated faction to be attracted to. Um, uh, I, I know that I specifically benefit from the fact that I have a very, um, I'm very lucky to be part of a, a really good Discord group where, where everybody is relatively cool. And um, uh, I think I might be the most, uh, uh, I, I might be the outlier and that I still get, you know, angry about these things. But, but for the new fans that are out there, you know, there has to be, there almost has to be like a, like a lesson plan dedicated to uh to try to help new people that are coming in to be like i and and i do, i, I want to be really clear my own personal opinions of kelly's work is that i don't think it's very it's very well written and i don't think it's very well researched i don't hate phil kelly as a person i just wish he would stop uh on the trajectory that he's on um if you like uh Phil Kelly's stories, I'm not going to bash you for liking it, but I do think that everybody that hears the sound of my voice in the form of this podcast, uh, I think that you have to start building a wall between, <laughs> because building walls are so vogue right now, um, but you have to build a wall between, between the work that Kelly does and the work that everybody else does because it is not compatible with each other. It's just it's just not. It would be like me trying to, uh, well, okay, if you're of a certain age, you know what I'm talking about, but it would be like me trying to uh, say that the Yuzhen Vong from Star Wars were still a thing in the new trilogy that Disney put out. It just doesn't make any, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, the galaxy, the galaxies don't work like that in, in, in contrast with each other. Um, uh, uh, so it's just, it's something that we have to start getting better at because I think, and I've said this before, I think that it, as long as we're all in the same hobby together, I think what's going to start happening is, is that I, I, I do believe this and I, I, I have said it before is that I do think that the, that change is upon us. Um, you know, we're going to be getting 10th edition like next year. And I think that one of the reasons why our codexes were so light is one, uh, a policy change with Games Workshop to rely more on White Dwarf for lore um, and maybe and maybe Black Library a little bit more, although Black Library feels a little bit light these days just in terms of, doesn't really, like the Age of Fire, whatever they're called, those books don't really, I don't know, they're not really, I, I don't really talk to that many people that are engaged with them, but um, but but anyway, um, the I I think that Reddit and Discord and 
all of the community places where people are seen to be talking about this hobby. The more we all speak together and the more that we understand our part of the hobby, because look, if they release, um, I don't know, a KAIS model um, or a new, I mean, the rumor is, is that Farsight's going to be getting a new model. You and I and everybody knows we're all going to buy it because we have the same, you know, I mean, to be uh, ungentle about this, we're, we all have the same addiction to plastic, you know, and uh, and I think we've all made peace with it uh, uh, a long time ago. And I, it, a part of me hopes that I wish I could move on to another hobby. Another part of me kind of has embraced the fact that I, I just have a I just have this uh, this 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 addiction to the Warhammer 40k universe. You know, I, I have to just kind of embrace it at some at some point. But if I want to like the lore. You know, because I don't like complaining. None, none of this is done out of like a joy of bashing or whatever, which I do get that, that that is something that happens in our community a lot. I want to be as excited about Tau releases as I was when the Pathfinder box came out. Every single thing about the Pathfinder box from, uh, from the descriptions of the characters, the descriptions of how a kill team like this works... Um, I was I was in it to win it. I don't even play Kill Team, and I bought that box. And I love the exhilaration of loving my own lore. You know, the idea that the Tau came into this hive world, and instead of invading it, they were just like, why don't we just help the local the local government do better accounting? That that was that was the secret weapon of the Tau when it came to. Uh, uh, I'm gonna forget the in the Chalnath Expanse. The um, I'm gonna forget the name of the hive. Um, but they, they, they basically showed that, that all of those initial things are still there and still valid, you know? Um, and I mean, I, even to a lesser extent, uh, the Exodite, you know, where, you know, your way, the, the, the diatribe, the, the big monologue between, uh, Kelseth, the Exodite and, uh, uh, and uh, Lacoma uh, is it, it, it showcase. Yes, everybody's like, oh, look, this this was a perfect example of how the tower naive. But you have to really listen to what she's saying back to him in that he failed. His civilization failed. The tower not going to fail. The, everything that they do is, and this is a direct quote because it's easy for the greater good. And I just I have a feeling that the Tau being one of the highest selling armies after Space Marines consistently, um, I have a feeling that our combined opinion, as long as we can navigate it correctly and bring more people into the fold by explaining politely and calmly uh, how how we we just have a more complicated situation going on than the than the the space robot Nazis. Um, as long as as long as we have, and by the way, that's just me being hyperbolic. I don't think that about Space Marines. Just a disclaimer. Um, uh, but as long as as long as we can get used to the fact that there is just a wall in between the two polar opposites of our fandom, uh, we can we can actually draw more and more people over to the side that just frankly makes more sense, tells a better story. And in turn, eventually, Games Workshop will realize that. And as they've done a dozen times in the past before, they'll realize, oh, okay, people don't really like that that direction that we were going in. All right, let's go over here. You know, um, that's one of the reasons why the the squats came back, and it's also one of the reasons why the squats were canceled. 
Um, same thing goes for 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 all of their stuff. Um, you know, uh, it's it's just it's how this company runs. So. so <sighs> So I've been talking for a long time, uh, and uh, and let's just uh, take a quick look at what people uh, have been saying. Um, okay, uh, let's see. I've got a lot of uh, Tudor England. Everyone was named Catherine, Mary, Henry, or Thomas. That's true, Tarm, but it's still it. But that's real. That's that's the real world. Living in a fake world, you can give everybody different names, and it's easier to track what they are are doing. Um, maybe GW just gave the Tao to Phil Kelly to do with what he wished. Sure, that's possible. Um, but we can reject that as a community because if we want to, you can, you can, you, you know, you can, you can do that. Um, uh, rules. It's like when you say dealt with It's like when you say dealt with Imperial fans. Yeah, that's true. I'm the, I'm a crazy Tao fan. I blame Google's results. Okay. All right. Um, I'm just uh, I'm just going down. I'll probably try to try to uh, delete some of this because it sounds like I'm just uh, reading randomly uh, <laughs> the comments between some of the listeners. Um, uh, cool. But calm sword, you should call them space Nazi robot Captain Americas. Uh, yeah, I just you know that word that word Nazis just really charged and and there's going to be a lot of people that listen to this that might not know. Uh, I'm that I'm being hyperbolic, you know, I, 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 statement stands, right? Like obviously everybody knows that the Warhammer 40 K community has maybe what you would call a slight, uh, extreme nationalist membership problem uh, in our ranks. But I mean, who that, but we don't have that in the, but we don't have that in the towel. <laughs> okay. I've been going for a while, um, ran a little bit over, about 30 mi uh, 20 minutes over. Um, but look, at the end of the day, uh, I, I, at the end of the day, I just, this book was, was really a disappointment. And, and it's, and it's especially a disappointment when you realize that all of the things that if you go all the way back 20 years, 15 years, whatever, um, you could see the seeds of it kind of growing. You could you could see the storm front hitting the coast, you know? And it was really, it's really aggravating to have this kind of perspective and then to bring out, bring this knowledge out into the world and 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 be met with contention by people that ultimately don't really know what they're, you know, what they're talking about um, or have shifting goalposts. You know, a big thing that happens a lot. I'm I'm never going to argue that the Tau can't be grimdark. I used to, I used to, and 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 uh, and obviously that they can. You know, I mean, um, in the book uh, Kill Team, um, uh, Brightsword uh, has just come back from from what sounds like a non-sanctioned military raid or even an invasion of an Imperial world, while the Tau and the Imperium are in technically a peace treaty and he just hates humanity so much that he just keeps going you know he he com he commits the nimbosa genocide uh the Coloth gorge uh, the Coloth gorge uh massacre where he kills civilians and he kills uh uh an imperial guard uh regiment all you know over the course of like something like 24 hours or something um and while he is reprimanded for that 
when he gets out of being reprimanded, he just decides to create a mercenary army on this border planet called Estau uh, in order to invade uh, this this uh, another imperial world, which is potentially going to set uh, you know for a long t- for about two hundred years the Tau and the Imperium were in like a state of, of Cold War where they weren't actively, you know, invading each other. Um, all very cool stuff. I've talked about it before. Um, but but the Tau orchestrate an assassination of Brightsword and allow Imperial saboteurs to come in and kill him. You know, the Tau are capable of being manipulative and, and being grimdark and being 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 awful and everything but at the end of the day if you look at everything that they're doing like and you know people will offhandedly say all sorts of things like well they have a caste system this is an alien race in a fictitious universe having a caste system doesn't have the connotations of a caste system in you know feudal i don't know feudal india you know um uh, a lot of people think that you know they they just sterilize people willy nilly. Um, I've talked about this a lot. Like in Dawn of War, that's a theory that the Inquisition has. In the Death Watch RPG, Valkansept is, uh, and I looked this up last night, uh, was sterilizing human populations of Guella, you know, of regular uh, of humans from uh, the uh, Imperial uh, uh, camp, and. If you look at that, but if you apply the concept of the greater good to it, uh, if you saw a hive world that had, you know, several billion people living in one building, um, then sterilization is actually, this is a terrible thing to say, but it actually makes a lot of sense. You have to get your population under control um, because you're not going to have any food or water to exist on, you know, And, and this is from an alien race that conducts uh you know screenings and and effectively like sanctions for who who who's allowed to procreate you know so it it actually makes a lot of sense in a post-scarcity society to incorporate sterilization as a routine part of being you know being a functioning member of society now that said they're not sterilizing their own population they're sterilizing the imperial population which by itself yes that's that's bad but from the perspective of somebody who's thinking about the greater good, maybe a population, uh, a planet with a population of 100 billion people needs to stop having babies for the sake of everybody, you know? And that's that right there, that's a hard conversation to have, um, especially on the internet. But, but if, you, if you just think about it for a couple minutes, it's like, well, yeah, but that is the greater good. So suddenly, and this is what I wish, and maybe this is where I'll, I'll end this podcast episode. This is what I wish for the next writer for the Tau, because it's certainly not going to be me. The next person to pick up the mantle and to start and to start writing stories in this universe for the Tau in Warhammer 40,000, may they understand that applying the trolley problem to human beings is always really an interesting narrative thing to do. Now the trolley problem is, you know, on the left you have an old man, on the right you have a young you have a, you have a brand new baby and your trolley needs to take one of them out. Um you and and you can't, you know, and and you have to make the choice. What what are your social and cultural cues? Is the baby more important because they haven't lived their lives and and they deserve and they deserve a chance to live? 
and the old person has lived their life and it's time for them to go? Or is the old person, because they've made it to this stage, more valuable to society because they have with them decades of knowledge and the baby is irrelevant because it because its potential is 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 unknown it could be a sick baby you know who knows you have you have a, you have a one situation where you understand and another situation that you don't so you direct a trolley to to take out one or the other the tau do not have are not affected by the trolley problem they as a society always choose what is best for the whole sometimes it's going to be the baby because a colony might need more babies sometimes it's going to be the old man because we need to know our past and to know how to get through the problems of the present. And they don't think about it in the same way that a human being would be torn up and sad inside. And that right there, that as your core foundation for, for to, to create your sandbox of a narr narrative universe, that is brilliant. Because all of a sudden you have an infinite amount of plots and scenarios to play with from a perspective that human characters would never deal with. That and everybody drives battle suits. Like those are your two foundations. There are there there are absolutely Guevessa uh, that pilot XV8s, uh, and I want somebody to do one where there are Vespid XV8s. You know, like like the idea the idea that like the tower are too scared to like Shadow Sun hops in and out of ghost kills. You know, like I mean, come on. You know what? Actually, I I, I lied. The last thing I'm going to end on is that also not everybody comes from Viorla and not everybody is named Kais. Shadow Sun is a Tau hero from the Sept, from the Sept Tau. It's in the Codex. Um, everybody, uh, while being skillful, it is not always named Kais. And there's an entire lexicon that was put together, that is continually updated and put together by the members of this community and myself and use that if you're going to start naming naming things. Do so with my blessing. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming today. Uh, I, I realize this one's a, a tricky episode. Um, I, I you know please come to our Discord if you if you have a bone to pick. Um, I'd absolutely love to have the conversation. And I'd like to invite anybody that actually did like the book Shadow Sun to please tell me what they did like. Because for me, it was just like somebody saying that they liked, um, I don't know, the, uh, the that last Star Wars movie. What was it? The, the Birth of Skywalker or, or the whatever. The third one, you know, and... and uh, and I'd like to, uh, yeah, you know, I just, I, I would like to talk about it. Um, you're, I'm always trying to be open. I know I get a little bit too uh, uh, passionate and everything, but that's my cross to bear. Um, ultimately, I just hope, I just really hope that our community continues to grow and be strong and be supportive of each other um, and, and to be creatively interesting. So thank you so much for coming for this uh, episode of podcast. I am your host, Calm Sword, and I will see you next episode.